Hello, this is Deborah Anderson, the Black Woman Animator, coming back to you with another video. And in this video, I have my friend, Latrice Sampson Richards. Welcome. Hey, Deb. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Very excited. I'm excited <laughs> to have you. Can you introduce yourself a little bit? Yes. So my name is Latrice Sampson Richards. I am a licensed mental health counselor licensed in the state of Florida. I'm also licensed in Louisiana as a professional counselor supervisor. And I've been licensed there for about 12 years. I actually need to renew my licensure now. Um, I, uh, I'm also a podcast producer um, and the founder and CEO of STS Productions, where I create Black content that uh, entertains and has an uh, impact on the community. So I kind of use my therapy background when I'm creating other mm -hmm. stuff um, mm -hmm. to make sure that we get something that helps us move our lives forward, you know? So that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So just to get a little baseline for your passion, what made you want to be a therapist and what do you love about it? Um, so I don't know that I ever actually said I want to be a therapist. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's just kind of something that I am. Like I always have been a therapist. I mean, I was a junior counselor in high school, mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, really the only reason that I joined junior counselors is so I could go to the annual retreat. Like they would have a big retreat every year. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to go to that. But like, I always have been the person that people come to with their questions or with their situations, um, even through college and everything like that. Like it just has always been a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of fell into, um, you know, in a lot of ways, I kind of fell into uh, the, the field of psychology in mm -hmm. college. Um, it's, you know, the study of human behavior. And I've mm -hmm. always enjoyed human behavior. Um, and, and I just kind of went along the ride, you know, mm -hmm. like wherever, whatever decision led to whatever the next opportunity was. And I just figured it out as I went along. Um, but now it's such, it's so ingrained in who I am. It, it really is a huge part of my identity and the way that I see myself, like I am a healer, like that is my mm -hmm. zone of genius. And then I, mm -hmm. and so I have all of these different avenues to be able to do that. And so um, that's something that's really exciting. The thing that I love the most about being a therapist really is helping people. And I know it sounds really cliche, mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily like the act of providing therapeutic interventions for people. Like, although I do enjoy that teaching aspect and holding hand, holding somebody's hand and like walking them through step by step, mm -hmm. how to do something that changes their world. But it's when they come back to me and they say, that thing that you said, you know, the other day, I, I, I was thinking about that thing you said the other day, girl, and I was just sitting in traffic and I was like, you know, it just all of a sudden made so much sense to me. And mm -hmm. I had this breakthrough moment. That is when my heart gets so full because I'm just like, I am achieving my purpose. Like I'm actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is helping people in real mm -hmm. life. Like some people, a lot of people say that they are healers and that they're mm -hmm. helpers, 
but they're really, you know, like dressed up charlatans, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so, so to be able to actually be of service and yeah. enjoy it yeah. in the process, that's, that really is my favorite part of it. Yeah. Something that I realized is that, you know, as a person who naturally is always trying to be a better person, Mm -hmm. Um, you can only go so far by yourself because I can only analyze myself so much with the information that I have. And so that was what was integral about when we went to lunch one time and you told mm -hmm. me about the emotional unavailability thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I could have sat for 30 years and never figured that out. <laughs> like, thank you for that. <laughs> so I, but also a thing that I think about is like, okay, when you're growing up with your family, they kind of like just let you be who you are. So they're never, sometimes they're never going to call you out. And then yeah. strangers aren't going to call you out. So unless you have that friend group that maybe can tell you about yourself, you're right. just kind of existing in a world where you don't know what is off putting about yourself, how to improve and all that stuff. Yeah. So like sometimes you need that therapist. Um, or if you have a friend that can do that, like, it's just like, oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. <laughs> Because we all like we live. I like to use the analogy of the Bubble Boy. You you know that movie, the Bubble. It's actually one of my favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> so don't judge me, please. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a really good movie. You know, mm -hmm. like it's funny, but it also teaches us a lesson. I think like he lived his whole life in this bubble, and he was so isolated from everything because he was afraid of you know, he thought the outside world was trying to kill him, you know, yeah. like literally trying to kill him. And long story short, it was a lie the whole time. It, and mm -hmm. so he had been fed this information and he believed it as truth. And so he never, uh, you know, experienced anything outside of his world until one day he had such a strong urge to mm -hmm. do something different, to learn something different, to experience something different. And that's kind of what it is. And, and he needed the help of that neighbor girl to get mm -hmm. out of there and do it. Sometimes we need a push. Like we yeah. live in our own little bubble and it's nothing wrong with it. Like everybody lives in their own bubble. Me too. Mm -hmm. Like me too. And guess what? I don't like other people and they shit inside of my bubble. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'm a I'm a whole therapist, like <laughs> in two states. Okay, <laughs> like I went to school for a very long time. Okay, <laughs> and I mm -hmm. live. I have my bubble. Yeah, don't touch shit in my bubble. Don't move shit in my bubble. Leave my bubble alone. Don't come over here. You know, <laughs> and so for a lot of people, we need somebody who is on the outside of that bubble to take a peek in there and say, girl, 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 mm -hmm. you don't see that thing sitting over there. You don't see that thing that, that maybe zipper or that button or that whatever it is that'll give you an opportunity to get outside of your bubble, even if it's just for a little while, mm -hmm. or you don't see that thing that needs to be cleaned up. You don't see that thing or hear the, the tools that you need to build the window here are the tools that you need to build the door inside your bubble i'm not saying you can't never go back to your bubble mm -hmm. i'm just saying 
there has to be an alternative. There has to be a way for you to peek and see what's going outside of your going on outside of yourself as well. And so that's what in my mind, that's what therapy is. And working Mm -hmm. with a therapist is somebody that don't know you don't know what's going on in your bubble. So you got to describe to me what's happening in your bubble. And then I help you figure out how to get on the outside of that and what tools you need and X, Y, and Z so that you can have a life with, you know, that, that makes you happy, that, that Mm -hmm. actually makes you happy. You're not going to be happy every minute of every day, you know, cause you know, that's just the way this thing go, you know, Mm -hmm. we got ups and downs, but you can be happy more often than not. And I think that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. And the key is like, you know, the truth, because I know with uh, medical doctors, like if they if you go in there and they ask you in a state that don't allow it, do you smoke weed? And you just lie and say no. There could be something that they could figure out if you tell yeah. the truth with yeah. anything, any of your behavior. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some smoke inhalation related stuff. <laughs> but I mean, it, it don't got to be smoking weed. But like it, if you don't tell the truth about your medical and then if you transfer that over to therapy, if you don't tell the truth about your life, then nobody can help you. You're, well, you're- yeah. And, and in therapy, it, it literally is counterproductive. Like it mm-hmm. literally makes no sense. You wasting your money, you wasting your time and you wasting my time as your therapist. Mm-hmm. If you come in there trying to bullshit me, what you trying to bullshit me for? I don't know you. <laughs> I do not know you. <laughs> Our lives probably would never have crossed if you had not reached out to me. Let's just be real. You are not a part of my inner circle. So why you got the lie to me? Right? Like this is mm-hmm. the one place mm-hmm. that you can show up at a hundred percent authentically. Mm-hmm. You can say the shit that you can't say in front of nobody else. You can talk about the things that you can't talk about to nobody else. And sometimes you're even afraid to talk about with and within yourself. Like mm-hmm. you can really come that to this place and not be judged and just be listened to and mm-hmm. then provided with the tools that you need to mm-hmm. get on the other side of whatever it is. Like nothing is stupid. Nothing is too much. Like that's when people tell me about their life story and all of this other stuff, it is very little that anyone could say to me to shock me mm-hmm. at this point. I'm a therapist. I've heard it all. Mm-hmm. I have heard a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and do I agree with everything that has been shared with me? Could never. Could never. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But it is not my place to pass judgment. I, I recognize as a therapist and as a human being, I recognize that people go through all kinds of experiences that shape who they are. Mm-hmm. And that a lot of times those experiences were to no fault of their own. Mm-hmm. It's just the life that they were dealt. Right. Yeah. And when we are dealing with difficult things, we doing our best to figure out how to navigate those things. And sometimes we make poor choices. Sometimes we do things that 
actually harm us more than they help us. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we push people away. Sometimes we engage in risky behaviors. We do a lot of shit, but we just be doing that in the name of trying to be all right Mm -hmm. because we don't have any other skills. And so my job is not to judge you for doing what you felt like you needed to do in that moment to try to be okay. My job is to give you the tools that you need so you could stop doing that shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> right? So you could stop because if you didn't, if you felt like it was okay to do that, you wouldn't be sitting in my chair. Mm-hmm. Right? So give you the tools you need to replace those skills. Yeah. So that you can actually be all right and 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 not just pretending to be all right. Yeah. And something as somebody who, you know, hasn't like I haven't had like medical issues that much and like um like or any mental things when I had you on the panel for like advocating for yourself and your health. Mm. I didn't that's the first time I learned about you know, when people are prescribed medication, unless you have like a chemical imbalance, you're actually supposed to be going to therapy to wean yourself off of that and and like put in stuff to deal with whatever you're dealing with and not have mm. to be medicated. I didn't know that before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, medication is uh, for most people like a triage. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, not for everyone. Mm-hmm. There are in like, Anything in life, there are exceptions mm-hmm. um, to this rule. So each individual person is, you know, an individual. Yeah. Um, however, comma, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the average person, you know, mm-hmm. like Joe Blow on the street mm-hmm. doesn't need to be on medication forever. Mm-hmm. You know, um, medication is in for most in most cases. Con- intended to be a, a triage to kind of help you to stabilize mm-hmm. so that you can learn the skills that you need. Because if you are someone that lives with anxiety, if you are someone that lives with depression, uh, and I'm just using those two as examples, uh, be, even even uh, ADHD, I think to a certain extent, um, these are all things that can be managed Mm -hmm. through therapeutic intervention and an increase in coping skills, Mm -hmm. right? So working with a therapist helps you to figure out what your coping skills need to look like because it's different for everybody, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have to try a few different things and until you find something that's actually working, right? So it's a, it's kind of this give and take this back and forth relationship. And that can sometimes take a little bit of time. Yeah. But if you're in the throes of a depressive episode, if you're in the throes of, a you know an anxiety attack or a a manic episode or something like that it you know time is not your friend you know what i'm saying time is not your friend and so uh we may decide to implement some type of medication to help stabilize you a little bit Mm -hmm. so that you can function so that you can actually be present in our sessions and in your life, you get some relief from your symptoms Mm -hmm. so that you can then 
function and, and learn the skills, the coping skills that you need. And then after a while, you know, however long it takes, um, you kind of hit a plateau and they say, okay, well, let's start trying to wean you off the medication a little bit. Now you have this toolbox of skills that you know work for you. Mm -hmm. So let's wean you off the medication a little bit and see how you how you able to use your skills. Let's see what happens, you know? And it, and it's an opportunity for you to try out the new skills that you've learned. Sometimes we say, "Okay, all right, girl, that ain't work as well as we thought it would." Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's try this again, you know? Yeah. Um but sometimes it's like, okay, we see the goalposts moving. We identify what else needs to happen, what those, what gaps continue to exist. And so we might maintain the medication, but at a lower dosage mm -hmm. because you can supplement with your new skill sets, right? As you continue to learn new skill sets. And it's this back and forth um, motion that happens between it's like a give and take between you and your therapist where you're trying to figure out what works for you. Um, and so medication is never, uh, you know, not never, but most often medication is not intended to be forever. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of times we don't want to put the work in. Um, are we afraid of it? Yeah. Um, or our lives are too busy. Mm -hmm. And so we, uh, you know, we, we end up just saying, give me them pills, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and we wonder why ain't shit changing, you know, mm -hmm. but it's because you ain't learned how to do nothing different. Right. Uh, you got to do something different if you want a different outcome. Yes. Yes. Um, what's something people seem to misunderstand about therapy or mental health? Um, it's, I think the biggest thing and at the risk of, of being hella cliche, but it, it, it is the reality though. It, it mm -hmm. really is the true answer to this question. Um, it's the stigma around mm -hmm. it, you mm -hmm. know, like that, that part, that piece of it, I think is the biggest piece of misinformation in our community mm -hmm. is that the only people that go and see a therapist is them crazy people. Like you got to be walking around pulling your hair out from the root in order mm -hmm. to need a therapist. Or you got to be out on the corner talking to yourself, yelling at yeah. the people walking past, you know, like these really extreme examples of life with mental illness. And, you know, don't get me wrong for some people, that is the reality of life with mental illness, mm -hmm. you know? Um, at the same time, though, I think we as a community have to be able to recognize that if I could not be on the corner yelling at myself, I sure wouldn't be. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be on this corner yelling at myself. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have the ability to not do it mm -hmm. because of my mental health. Mm -hmm. And I used and to be so, where you were not doing it. Exactly. But there was a point in time where I used to look at people on the corner doing that too mm -hmm. and talk about them. Mm -hmm. I didn't know this was going to be how my life was going to turn out, but this is my reality, right? Mm -hmm. Like those, like people who struggle with severe mental illness, I guarantee you, if they could not be living with mental illness, they wouldn't. 
-hmm. Nobody wants to live that way. It's very difficult. And I'm always, you know, I, I thank God for the ability to control my mental faculties mm -hmm. because it is a blessing mm -hmm. and not everybody can say that they have that. Mm -hmm. However, that is a very, very small percentage of the population, the mm -hmm. community that has mental illness at that level. Like mm -hmm. when, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's a very small percentage of the population that 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 is their reality. Mm -hmm. For the rest of us, we are living day to day life. We are and and day to day life is a struggle. You have to function. You have to you know rent inflation. Listen, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I paid sixty three dollars at Walmart the other day, girl, and I was like, I got two bags. <laughs> what? Where did? $63. Two bags is be $20. <laughs> like, I'm confused about what's happening right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And I am able of able mind and sound, you know, sound mind and able bodied. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have you for all intents and purposes, I have a good job. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not hurting for nothing. I'm comfortable. I'm able to have a quality of life. Of course, I want more, but I am pleased with my current quality of life, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm still stressed about how are we going to get these bills paid if this inflation inflation keeps going high? I want to buy a house. How mm -hmm. am I going to do that if they keep raising these interest rates, you know, and like all of this and all of that. So like just day-to-day -day life is difficult, mm -hmm. whether you have mental illness or not. And sometimes we just need somebody to talk to. Yeah. Sometimes you just need somebody that you can bounce some ideas off of. Sometimes you just need a place where you could say whatever the fuck you need to say, however the fuck you need to say it without mm -hmm. fear of repercussion, without fear of hurting somebody's feelings, mm -hmm. without fear of ruining a relationship, mm -hmm. without all of the things that prevent us from being able to say these things in our day-to-day -day lives or all of the things that prevent us from being able to just get that stuff out of us in data in our daily lives that ends up causing us to experience, you know, heightened depression or anxiety and things of that nature. So, you know, I think we really need to change the way, and we have been. The, I think mm -hmm. as a community, there has been a shift that yeah. has taken place around how we view mental health uh, and and therapy. Uh, therapeutic interventions in our community. And I'm very grateful mm -hmm. to see that because it's, it's necessary. Uh, I remember going to the black love summit last year and something that was consistent throughout the day was like, was black men saying that they've thought about therapy, but used their friends for therapy and whatnot. And only um, Bill Bellamy and Adrian Holmes, which is the new uncle Phil from Bel Air advocated for it. Mm -hmm. uh, there was even a guy on the panel as they uh, as they were talking about it, who staunchly was against it, and mm -hmm. there was a, a guy in the in the um, audience who was like thinking about getting his brother, who was about to get married, like therapy session, little you know the little intro to marriage therapy sessions. Mm -hmm. And Bill Bellamy was like, "Yeah, you should do that," and the other guy was like, "Nah, nah, nah." nah. And so the guy that was 
uh, advocating against it was like, you know, I don't want nobody in my business and that's a horrible gift and all this stuff. So where do people's negative thoughts against therapy come from and what do they get wrong about it that makes them think that way? Well, the negative thoughts, um, there, there's no one answer for that um, mm -hmm. because the negative thoughts come from all over. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have to realize that we, from the minute we are born, we are being conditioned mm -hmm. um, and we're being conditioned by the environment that we are born into, right? Mm -hmm. It's just the reality of the thing. So whatever environment you are born to, shapes who you are and who you become. Um, that's not to say that you have to be where you're from, right? right. Um, mm -hmm. Or you that you have to be the environment that you were born into. It's just simply saying that you are shaped by yeah. that environment, right? Mm -hmm. So you the way you see the world, the way you see yourself, the way you see yourself in the world, all of those things are shaped by the environment that you are born into. And so if that in, in that environment, men are not allowed to cry, men are not allowed to hug, mm -hmm. men are not allowed to kiss, mm -hmm. men are not allowed to love, mm -hmm. men are not allowed to be loved, men are not allowed to request love, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? To want or desire love or tenderness or nourishment, which is are all of that we as human beings are built for. We're built for love. We need each other, physically need each mm -hmm. other in order to survive. Right? Men who are married live longer. At least I think it's about 10 years longer than unmarried men. Mm -hmm. It's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. It's because we need relationship in order to survive, right? That's just how we're built as human beings. So if you're born into an environment that does not ever allow you to receive and exist in true meaningful relationship and true meaningful connection and bars you and teaches you that to want that, mm -hmm. right? Your natural instinct to want that is inherently bad and, and puts you at risk of being ostracized from the community, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's damaging. It makes it very difficult for you to be able to uh, you know, seek it and, and to experience it. And um, unfortunately, uh, a lot of people never really get outside of their environments, you know, the environment that they were born into, because usually it's family. Mm -hmm. And we are that you can't turn your back on family, you know, mm -hmm. no matter how, you know, emotionally damaging they may be. Ha <laughs> ha, that's your mama though, girl. You know what I'm saying? You can't, that's still your mama. Mm -hmm. That's still your daddy, mm -hmm. right? And, and that we're supposed to allow these relationships that are physically killing us mm -hmm. just slowly over time, but these relationships that are physically shortening our lives, mm -hmm. 
supposed to allow it because that's just what you got. You got what you got and you can't do nothing about it. And so I think, you know, it comes from all of that, you know? And more millennials and Gen Z are like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) This generation, millennials, uh, we are the first generation benefactors of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. And so we are the first generation to never know life without civil rights. We went to the colleges, we joined mm-hmm. the youth groups, we went, we were on the basketball teams, and we grew up, you know, with these privileges, levels of privilege that black people before us could never have even fathomed. Mm-hmm. You know, we had those freedoms. And so now we have these Gen Zers, which are essentially our kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Our kids now are second generation benefactors. So not only have they ne- have they never known a life without civil rights, they also have never known a life without privilege. Mm-hmm. Right. So they have the freedom to emote mm-hmm. because they never had to worry about where their food was coming from. They never had to worry about where, you know, where they was going to lay their head. I'm saying, you know, in general, I'm giving like super over generalizations right now. Of course, you know, I recognize that there are a lot of people who struggled and who didn't know where their food was going to come from. I'm Mm -hmm. saying as a collective, okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, They had a level of privilege that really speaks to stability and Mm -hmm. a sense of security, you know, when it comes to your basic needs being met, Mm -hmm. right? And so they have been able to move a little higher on Maslow's hierarchy of needs to now they can start thinking about the world, right? Because their basic needs are met. They have social media. And so that social media serves as a sense of love and belonging and connection and all of that. And so the next layer of that is thinking about society and thinking about the world and thinking about how my imp- how my decisions and choices impact the next person next to me. And so they have the privilege of emoting. They have the privilege of self-introspection. Mm-hmm. They have the privilege of, you know, just being able to care about their feelings and mm-hmm. to care about not only how they feel, but how their actions make the people they love feel. Mm-hmm. And they have the privilege of being able to say it whenever the fuck they want to and being was, able to communicate it. I was watching the uh, uh, episode of um, DeVell and Kadeen's uh, podcast and he was talking about talking to his grandmother where if his grandmother let his father or uncles like feel their feelings, then you can die. So mm-hmm. the, the whoopings yeah. were an expediency of like, okay, you can't do that because yeah. you're about to die if you do this. But now we have more privilege to not have to like whoop or like, you know, all that type of stuff and talk. That's yeah. a privilege. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. And we don't, I don't think that we always see it as such, you know, and mm-hmm. um, and people are really, I think, you know, a lot of 
old heads, they having a hard time with Gen Z because, you know, they just, they are different, but really they're not as different as we think they are. All mm -hmm. of the things that they fighting for now, we fought for those things as well. Mm -hmm. It just was at the level of attainability that existed at the time that we were fighting. Mm -hmm. Their level of attainability has increased significantly. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we just, I, I love Gen Z. I ain't gonna lie. I love them. Because they, they, listen, it's, it's, we are watching the evolution of humanity. Yeah. Right. And, and that, that's just the reality. I think we put too much emphasis in the physical, mm -hmm. right. And physical evolution and how gills turn into lungs and all that shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But we are, we are watching the emotional evolution of humanity mm -hmm. because it's happening all across the world. Mm -hmm. It's happening. Yeah. Right. And, and the, the system, the powers that be, they fighting it. They trying to fight it mm -hmm. real hard, but I think they are very well aware that they in a losing battle. Girl, you don't, yeah. you don't, you don't bought a knife to a gunfight, sis. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is why they fighting, they're, they're amping up their fight. You know, mm -hmm. they're trying to stop it before it really gets on the roll, but it's already on the roll. And I think that's the part that they fail to acknowledge. They yeah. still kind of, they like the old man on the lawn and he's like, you dirty kid, get off my lawn. And meanwhile, girl, the kids is on to the next lawn. They done <laughs> right. already moved out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I think that's kind of what it is. Instead of, you know, listening to them yeah listen to them and see what it is like these children they they are smart mm -hmm. they on their shit man there was that little uh video that went i mean viral kind of but it was like it was like a panel of adults and the young lady was just talking for like uh -huh. 20 minutes and they didn't listen to nothing she said i was like yeah. she is very articulate she talked she telling the truth listen. and y'all just is like Old because they've stuff. been exposed like, they are so they are so culturally diverse and mm -hmm. culturally aware they have access to other cultures at their fingertips and they've never known a world without that level of access mm -hmm. so it they could very it's very very possible that little Keisha Nim mm -hmm. in the hood in downtown Philadelphia uh uh, West Philly or New Orleans or Detroit or mm -hmm. whatever whatever black ass neighborhood you could think of in America can be best friends, besties. Oh my God, this is my bestie. I love her so much. With a child in Japan somewhere mm -hmm. or a child in Italy, mm -hmm. a child in Australia, a child literally anywhere in the world. Because they have grown up together on the internet. Mm -hmm. And I think we don't we don't like to acknowledge, you know, that that is their reality. They are just so much more cultured yeah. than we are. And they are so much more well than some of y'all is, because I'm cultured. Okay. <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> okay. I, I done been all over the world. But <laughs> but they they have so much more of a capacity for understanding emotion and understanding mm -hmm. connection 
and they do understand connection differently because they have not been relegated to just the environment that they were born into. Yeah. You know, they, they were born into that environment, but they had an escape. There was a way for them to get outside of that environment in some way and mm-hmm. make those connections. And it, uh, they're going to, they're going to change the world. They're going to yeah. change the world. Yeah. Um, so to get into like um, more stuff about creatives, why do you think um, creatives experience, you know, anxiety or, and how have you seen people, you know, push through it? And, you know, we, we were talking earlier about like, why are you touching my shit? <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, what is like creatives dealing with the anxiety and maybe even depression and stuff like that? Yeah. So like I said earlier, I'm also a podcaster. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a podcast host, producer. I do a a lot of things in the in the realm of podcasting. That is my medium of choice. And so Mm -hmm. I am a creative. I actually call myself a mental and emotional wellness creative Mm -hmm. um, because I'm a creative that just so happens to be a therapist. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think for most therapists, as is for myself as well, um, I get a lot of anxiety sometimes because like Erica Badu said, like I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. <laughs> like when I when I'm creating something, mm-hmm. it's coming from me. I'm putting that story together. I am hypothesizing about um you know, what the story is and what needs to happen and how does it need to go out? And like, I'm just so particular because it is Mm -hmm. a representation of some part of me, even Mm -hmm. if the story that I'm telling doesn't have anything to do with my, the reality of my life, it's still a representation of me because it came from my head. Mm -hmm. I generated that idea. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's mine. It's mine. And putting ourselves on display in that way is a very vulnerable act. Like being a creative Mm -hmm. is inherently vulnerable. You have to put your your feelings on on your sleeve, as they say, as they say, Mm -hmm. every single time you put something that you've created out into the world. Yeah. And so this, this, my baby, this thing that I have generated from my own head and my own experiences that I have painstakingly made sure that every color was exactly right, that, you know, everything is uh, the vision that I see in my head needs to be the product that I see in front of me. And I'm not mm-hmm. satisfied until that's what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I put all this time and energy into it. And then you're going to talk shit about my stuff. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or you're going to tell you, you know, you're going to tell me that X, Y, and Z ain't right. Or, or you mm-hmm. touching my shit, you know, like we was talking about earlier, like sometimes even like, um, you know, not everybody is able to, uh, communicate in a way that other people can receive it. You know, some people need to learn how to (laughs) talk to people. Okay. Um, because I'm not saying that my work is above feedback, but what I am saying is you got to find a better way to talk to me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think 
a lot of creatives experience anxiety and things like that because um, it's the the work is so personal. The work is mm -hmm. very personal, and to put it out there requires us to be vulnerable. And when when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, which is very difficult for a lot of people because we lack the skills to mm -hmm. manage vulnerability and the potential for rejection, the potential for uh, any and all of the negative side effects of vulnerability or the, or the negative uh, responses that you might receive to vulnerability, um, we feel anxious about it, right? Because mm -hmm. we don't have the skills that we need to be able to manage it. Or we don't have the communication skills that we need to be able to tell somebody, why are you touching my shit? Or, or to be able to, to stand up for our work the way that we need to, or to be mm -hmm. able to sit in those hurt feelings and process what was said and be able to take what helps mm -hmm. and leave what doesn't, mm -hmm. right? Because and you don't got to tell people that you're doing that. <laughs> you don't. You could just take it in and be like, "All right, away with that." <laughs> away with Listen, because let me tell you, I I was just telling a friend of mine this the other day. I, like I said, it's not that I'm above feedback. You can give mm -hmm. me feedback on my work. Collaborate. I, I, I enjoy collaborating mm -hmm. with people and bouncing ideas and everything like that. But if you're going to change my shit, you got to make it better. <laughs> you can't change my shit and make it worse than it than it was when I brought it to you now. That, right. That's we ain't doing that. That's not that's not what we going to do. Now, if you make changes that enhance it. Yeah. Then I'm, you all right with me, you know, mm -hmm. but you can't change it and 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 downgrade what I have mm -hmm. already given you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that anxiety comes from it's so many things, you know, mm -hmm. not not wanting to have your stuff tampered with or not. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't have conflict resolution skills. And mm -hmm. so we don't know how to confront a situation. Um, a lot of us lack the uh, appropriate, um, you know, emotional regulation skills. Mm -hmm. And so we can't handle big feelings, big emotions. Mm -hmm. Somebody mm -hmm. really hurt my feelings or somebody really pissed me off. And so we're afraid of how we might respond. We don't know if we can handle that. We don't know um, if, if, you know, we're built to deal with those feelings and so forth and so on, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think one of the things that I learned in my own life and in my own journey, because like I said, I'm a therapist, but I'm trees, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm regular ass trees at the same time. OK. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I am in just me by myself alone, mm -hmm. one of the things that um, I have learned in my journey is that the more I fight it, mm -hmm. the harder it is. Yeah, because I'm fighting my truth. I'm fighting the reality of my experience of life. And, and as long as I'm fighting it, I can't never come up with the, the tools or a game plan to fix that shit. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Because I won't even acknowledge that it exists. Yep. I won't even acknowledge that it's a, a sore spot for me. 
Mm-hmm. That's what I liked about um, there's that period of time we were talking about Kevin on stage earlier. There's that period of time where, you know, uh, up on the love hour, like Liz was asking him, OK, we're in the 16th year of marriage. I need she finally found the word vulnerability. Mm-hmm. She'd been asking for it for a long time, but she didn't know how to name it. And he had that breakthrough of like, you're asking me to be vulnerable, but I'm not even vulnerable with myself. Mm-hmm. So I can't be vulnerable with you. Mm hmm. Like for real, Mm -hmm. like for real, some of us, you know, people wonder why, um, you know, you have some people, everybody deals with things in different ways. Everybody, you know, tries their best to figure out how to manage whatever emotions that they have. Some Mm -hmm. people indulge in risky behavior. Some people, um, you know, always the life of the party and not just like the life of the party, but like has to be surrounded by people at all times. That's because they're scared to be by themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Because because she's a stranger. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't I don't a lot of people. Listen, listen. You never allowed yourself. You never spent enough time with yourself to know who you are. Yeah. To really understand who you are and who wants to be locked up in a room with a damn stranger. Mm-hmm. Right? Nobody. Mm-hmm. Right? Like Miss Millie said, I don't know her either. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we like we have to be able to spend time with ourselves in order to understand what makes us tick. People, uh, my mama, like people always say, uh, my, my mother used to tell me. You could talk to yourself as long as you don't answer yourself, Mm -hmm. right? And as I got older and became a therapist and all of that, I'm like, girl, what what is you talking for if you're not going to (laughs) answer? This that's a one sided conversation, girl. What what is you talking for? If you're not gonna answer, I be in full dialogue with myself. Okay, like we be having a whole like. But no sense because why you got to do this? Well, stop playing with me, girl, because X, Y, and Z, you know why. You know why. We know why. We on the same right. page. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But we have to be on the same page. We have mm-hmm. to understand. You know, you talked about when we had went to dinner and I hit you with that hot take. I'm going to give you one right now. Uh-huh. Because I this is really, and this is just my own understanding of mm-hmm. how, you know, the human experience goes, right? Mm-hmm. But I believe that we have like three beings inside okay. of us. Like there's every person has three different parts mm-hmm. of who they are. You have your emotional being, you have your logical being, and you have your spiritual being, mm-hmm. right? And so each one of those beings serve a, a very specific purpose. Your mm-hmm. spiritual being is responsible for like this making um, morality things mm-hmm. of that nature like your belief system mm-hmm. um, those type of things come from your spiritual being whatever that looks like for you right, right. it's not necessarily connected to a specific religion or religious beliefs this is just you know that's that's your uh, your your more you know your spiritual center yeah. you have your logical being which uh, is deals in reality right mm-hmm. so your logical being says this these are the facts yeah right this is what you're this is what we have seen 
this is what we have heard. Mm -hmm. This is what we have experienced. Right. And so that is kind of like the, the 2d version yeah. of, of that thing. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, you like my, my animation <laughs> analogy, girl, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shout out to all the animators out there. Okay. <laughs> And then you have your emotional being. Yeah. And your emotional being, that's that 4K HD ultra, you know what I'm saying? Like that's the real deal, you know, on the on the cusp of, of cutting edge technology because mm -hmm. your emotional being is responsible for your emotions. It's mm -hmm. responsible for all that because whether people believe it or not, your emotions is a whole system in and of itself. Like that's mm -hmm. a, it's a whole thing. Right. Um, that's going on inside of you. And so everybody has these three beings, but we have them in different amounts. Uh, we yeah. have them in different proportions, right? Mm -hmm. So some people has a, a much bigger emotional being than their logical being, mm -hmm. right? Some people have a much larger logical being than their emotional and their spiritual. Some mm -hmm. people have, you know, damn near no spiritual, mm -hmm. right? Some people have damn near no emotional, mm -hmm. but we all have these three yeah. beings. And so what happens a lot of times is that your spiritual being, you know, she just kind of chilling in the background and she's just like, kumbaya, everybody <laughs> love everybody. Like, you know, she's Switzerland. Okay. She's Switzerland. Mm -hmm. But then you have your emotional being and your logical being. They both are alphas like they top dogs and mm -hmm. and they they both given you know main girl energy mm -hmm. and they get into battles with each other mm -hmm. who is going to be in control at any given moment mm -hmm. and so when we experience conflict inside of us a lot of times it is a battle between two or more of those beings yeah. fighting to determine who is going to be able to who gonna be able to take control of the wheel, if you will, right? Like yeah. like in that Inside Out is mm -hmm. one of my yeah. favorite movies because it really does depict what happens inside yeah. of us, right? Mm -hmm. So my, the way that I handle it and the way that I manage it when, when my beings are in conflict with each other is at some point you have to have a conversation, Mm -hmm. Right. You have to have a conversation and you have to be able to say, listen, right. Emotional being sis, mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying, because mm -hmm. there's some situations that you have to think your way through. Yeah. You, your logical being needs to take control first. I don't have time for all of the emotion. I don't have time for an emotional breakdown right now, but I got to figure this out. Right. Uh -huh. So I'm going to have a conversation with my emotional being and I'm going to say, look, sis, listen, I get it, girl. We hurt. We pissed. We sad. We anxious. We embarrassed. We feeling abandoned. Whatever the feeling is like, I get it. I understand. But I, I need you to just go sit down for a few minutes. A few days. Mm -hmm. a couple weeks, whatever it is, I just need you to give me some time to think this through. And I promise I am going to come back to you mm -hmm. and I'm going to give you an opportunity 
to express yourself. I'm going to give you your voice. I'm going to give you what you need in order to feel heard. But right now, I just need you to sit down for a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you have built a relationship with your emotional mm-hmm. being, if you have talked to her, if you have validated her, if you have acknowledged that she exists and acknowledge what she's saying, and you have built a trusting relationship with your internal being, she's going to be like, all right, sis, I got you. <laughs> but just like on uh, that movie Holes is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Don't forget to come back for Madame Zeroni. <laughs> okay. Do not forget to come back to Madame Zeroni because your whole family will be cursed and Madame mm-hmm. Zeroni don't play. Okay. It's the same thing. You, yeah. you if, if your emotional being gives you an opportunity to get done, whatever it is that you need to get done based on the strength of the relationship that you have built with her and you mm-hmm. never come back to her and acknowledge what she's dealing with or what she's dealing what she's going through she gonna show her ass yeah it's and it's gonna be the worst to a ball. <laughs> right so that, that's kind of the way that and i know i i went all around the world just now but mm-hmm. that that i think it's important for us to understand that these three beings exist inside of us and we need to be in constant communication with them. We need yeah. to be hearing what they're saying to us or, or yelling at us. Sometimes we mm-hmm. need to acknowledge what they're dealing with. We need to acknowledge the role that they play in our lives and we need to build that trust with them because when we, when we need them to chill out, yeah. Right then we need to be able to rest on the trust that we have with them. And so, um, yeah, cause we that's need somebody the to goal. Out. They can't be a stranger. You have to be able to have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So if they're a stranger, yeah. you trying to t- calm them down, maybe like, I don't know you. <laughs> I don't know you. <laughs> I don't know you. Like Miss Millie said, I don't know her either. Okay. I don't know that girl. Why would you mm-hmm. even suggest that? Right. So talk to yourself, answer Mm -hmm. yourself, be in communication with yourself, validate what you're feeling, acknowledge, like let your feelings be your feelings. You don't have to apologize for Mm -hmm. your feelings. Sometimes you need to check your feelings and make sure Mm -hmm. that they are your actual feelings, but you don't have to apologize for your feelings. I feel the way I feel. Yeah, I've made Facebook statuses about things, and you know, you know, people be trying to help, but they be like, "Oh, you could get over like," and I be like, "No, I'm gonna feel my feelings." Yeah, no, I'm this, good. This like, girl, I don't uh, be getting emotional like that. So if I'm emotional, I'm gonna feel my feelings. <laughs> like for real, for real, for real, for real. This, I follow a girl, uh, India. I don't remember India's last name, but mm-hmm. uh, she posted the other day, like, you know, I'm 46 years old. I, I think it's safe to say I ain't trying to have no kids. So if you're trying to date me, you know what I'm saying? You can't, I, I can't date no man that still want kids because that's mm-hmm. done for me, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm all right with the fact that that's done for me. I don't mm-hmm. think I want no kids at 46. That ship has sailed and I'm all right with it. And mm-hmm. people in her comments kept posting, oh, don't give up on love. Yeah. And, don't, and she said, she pinned, you know, a comment in, in her comments. She said, why do you all feel the need to try to pep talk me into wanting kids? Mm-hmm. She said, this is not 
me giving up. This is me verbalizing what I want. Yeah. Or more importantly, what I don't want. Some people don't acknowledge that it's a decision that's been made. Like even when I um, was moving to L.A., people were like trying to give suggestions for other places. Or even when I just moved to L.A., they're like, oh, how about you move here? I'm like, first of all, do you not know how much it costs to move? Like, Listen. <laughs> but like before I moved, I'm like, this is a decision. I didn't I didn't ask for advice. <laughs> like, yes. yes, I was informing I was telling you. you. That a, yes. I, <laughs> do it, doing you a courtesy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I don't need help with the decision. Mm -mm. Ain't asked for no help. Ain't asked for no help at all. (laughs) But, you know, people feel that, you know, I think it it just goes back to sometimes what you you see and what you want and what you are capable of is so so far outside of the realm of other people's understanding you know um and but they don't have to understand because Mm -hmm. it ain't it ain't for them to understand you know when you said you was moving to la at first i was like okay because you Mm -hmm. know i know you really enjoyed new orleans but i also i I thought it was gonna be my forever city (laughs) yeah yeah but when i thought about it in the grand Mm -hmm. scheme of things just because you and i have a relationship and so i feel like i know you you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. um and you know you're an animator and and i know Mm -hmm. that you've really been working to get that up and running and everything like that or or continued rather Mm -hmm. i was like you know what that makes sense that makes sense yeah, that's I did a, not want to move here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it made sense. That's 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 what it did. <laughs> yes, it did. Yes, it did. And I was so proud of you because you know it takes a lot of courage. It really mm-hmm. does. Like it takes a lot of courage for you to like pack up everything and leave a place where like you had really built a life for yourself in New Orleans. Like you yeah. had a community. Well, that's mm-hmm. how we met. We were mm-hmm. in community-based organizations together mm-hmm. and doing community work and volunteering yeah. together and everything like that. So like you have really built mm-hmm. a life for yourself in New Orleans and to yeah. pack all of that up and say, I'm going to start over. Yeah. I just think it takes so much courage. Um, and, and, you know, not everybody would be able to do that. So I was just like, go ahead, Dad. All right, go on. <laughs> yeah. Cause like with my three year anniversary passing this past February, uh, it was like I've, and, and thinking about it since then, it's like, I've started over so many times because I started over when I went to South Korea. I started over when I came back from South Korea because I felt, you know, graduating in 2008 from college. um, That was my first time opportunity to be an adult and pay bills. And then I came back to New Orleans and stupidly asked for the same salary I had in Korea where there's a lower cost of living. And then I didn't Mm. feel like an adult anymore. And then I broke that up and I'm like, now I'm going to start. I don't feel like like in certain instances throughout the third three years, I don't feel like an adult again. Yeah. So it's like yeah. that constant starting over. And then I, I like in the past couple of weeks, it was like if I had not that I wanted to, but if I had moved here earlier, I would have had I would have been in a different place because I would have had a 12 year career instead of a three year career here. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's just like I I have a understanding that this is just what I have to go through now. So I'm not like upset about it, but I'm just like, damn it. Yeah, That's why people yeah. at my age or younger are in a better place because they was here before. <laughs> yeah, but you know what, though? I mean, I feel like um, sometimes, you you know, you're, on, you're running your own race. You know, you I'm really honestly, are. I'm honestly uh, okay with 
moving here in my 30s because I even though in college I, I didn't succumb to peer pressure or anything like that but I just have a, a groundedness in my 30s that I did not have in my 20s and I yeah. wouldn't you know sold my soul to the devil I don't think but I just have an understanding of people that I had yeah. to be in New Orleans because <laughs> I yeah. you know my natural self was very you know into myself and I, I was telling you before about the networking piece, like I was just like my hard work. <laughs> and yeah. I, I'm glad I learned that in New Orleans and not in L.A. Yeah, like for real, like every step of your journey has taught you something, you know, like because I, I be feeling that way, too, sometimes like, mm -hmm. you know, I think when people look at me and they see all of the things that I've done, like, don't get me wrong. I recognize that my resume is quite impressive. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I understand that I have done things and I uh, bring things to the table that other people can't and haven't yeah. and will mm -hmm. never, you know, mm -hmm. um, that is just, you know, the magic that makes me who I am. At the same time, though, I also had a timeline for myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, I am not where I thought I would be at 40 years old. I'll be 41 in August, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm not where I thought I would be at 40 years old, like financially, family wise, mm -hmm. uh, as far as just being settled in and career wise and, you know, like just so forth and so on and X, Y, Z and X, Y, Z. But yeah. I'm also a lot of things that I, I have a lot of things that I never even knew to dream. Yeah. At the time that I was making those plans. Yeah. Like, there's never in, I didn't even like podcasting. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> Had never even heard of it before mm -hmm. when at the time when I made that plan for myself. Right. And so, you know, it's a, it's a give and take and it's an up and down. And while, uh, you know, you may not be where you thought you was going to be, or you may not be where you could have been yeah. or, you know, all of that. You are where you are and mm -hmm. where you are is exactly where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And we, and again, I think it goes back to, we have to allow that to be true. Mm -hmm. We got to stop fighting that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We got to just allow that to be our reality where mm -hmm. I am right now is where I was supposed to be at this time. Mm -hmm. I'm on track. Yeah. I'm on track. Cause luckily I feel like I have a good head on my soldier, shoulders and I'm not, even when I'm going through like my, I have my mountaintops and my valleys. And even when I'm going through my valleys, I'm not on some, Oh God, why me? I'm just like, Woo, what are you preparing me for? Cause I'm going through a lot. <laughs> like, I cannot wait for hindsight to be 2020. Like, oh, okay. That's why I went through that. All right, got it. Right. Cause cause sight is like 15, negative 15 right now. What's up, girl? Like we is we in bifocals right now, sis. We we not doing good. Right. We not doing good. But so you know, I'm like looking really... back, like, okay. Thanks for the context on why I went through that. Appreciate it. Yes. <laughs> and you know, life as a creative already is just so unpredictable. Like yeah. Just the, you know, the fi creative finances are unpredictable. It's like you're doing freelance work, you're doing gig jobs, but mm -hmm. you got steady bills that come every single month. So it's like a steady hustle. It's a steady grind. Yeah. Um, and then you know, like we talked about earlier, I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. And mm -hmm. you know, you got people wanting to touch your shit, whether that's mm -hmm. you know because they are looking at the world through a white supremacy lens, and mm -hmm. so they're comparing 
your stuff, your perspective to a perspective that they know nothing about. You know what I'm saying? Um, It's like so many things like life be coming at you, girl. (laughs) Life be coming at you hard and fast. Okay. And, you know, we just, we, I think sometimes we just need to slow down and we just need to say, listen, I'm, this is where I am because this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And that just, I just have to allow that to be true because I got all this other shit to deal with. All that I'm trying to process and I'm trying to Mm -hmm. focus on, I, I have to take something off the plate. And that yeah. needs to be one of the things that comes off the plate, you know? And since we circled around back to the original topic, I did want to add that, you know, some uh, like as creatives, sometimes we're creating for ourselves. But then when we transfer to creating for other people in a job setting, something that I had to learn uh, working for the state of Louisiana was that because I'm a recovering perfectionist. I feel like I'm um, approximately 70 <laughs> percent delivered. <laughs> OK, <laughs> but um, when I first started working with the state, it was a thing of like my perfectionism was like, I want to get it done the first time. Mm-hmm. But when you're communicating with people who don't know nothing about nothing and, and you know, in the animation industry, they know more. But you're um, like when you're working with a director or a project manager mm-hmm. sometimes you're you're um communicating the client's vision or 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 the director's vision and so you might just get it wrong it's not yeah. that anything was wrong what you did you just didn't communicate their vision properly and you just yeah. got to change it and so that's yeah. how, that's what i had to learn over several years was that it's not actually that i did anything wrong it was like either they didn't give me the proper resources so i learned how to ask the questions on the front end to get the proper resources or it just it just didn't hit this time and we just got to do it again. It's, it's, it's okay. It's all right. (laughs) It's all right. Uh, A friend of mine was telling me, uh, cause I, I, I am, I'm not even going to call myself a recovering perfectionist, (laughs) but I have perfectionist tendencies. Okay. Um, And, and I remember I was working on a project and it just really wasn't working out with the editor. And I was like, you know, this is really like getting under my skin like it's really bothering me that this this edit is not working out and and she was like well Latrice you know uh sometimes you just got to do the 80 20 rule and I was like uh what 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 is that Mm -hmm. and she was like it it only needs to like be 80 percent of what you needed and I was saying to myself so I paused (laughs) as I'm on the phone with her she's saying this and it was just silence and she was like I said but 80 seemed low to me (laughs) (laughs) 80 seemed low you know what I'm saying I don't but the thing is you can produce 80 and people still love it like listen um, listen but it's not about people Mm -hmm. like for me as a creative and I think for a lot of creatives Mm -hmm. out there it's not about people I need to be satisfied with Mm -hmm. what I'm putting out and if I am not satisfied with it then it does not feel like a success to me it does not Mm -hmm. feel like a win and so while 80 do feel a little low to me you know like I told (laughs) her I said I don't think that there's anything wrong with striving for a hundred. I might not get to a hundred every single time, but I'll be damned if I don't try. I got to at least make the effort. And so if Mm -hmm. I'm striving for a hundred and I land on 95, 
then I feel like I could be okay with that. I'll even take, you know, 92. You know what I'm saying? I'll take a 92. Okay. But I'm not it like you, I think you said this earlier. I'm running my race. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm comparing myself to me. I'm Mm -hmm. not comparing myself to you or to anybody else. I know that this is not my best. Mm -hmm. I know that this can be improved. And while I give myself grace, yeah. Right. From time to time, I have learned how to give myself grace. And sometimes 90% just going to have to be enough this time. Yeah. I I still feel like there's nothing wrong with being in pursuit of a hundred. Yeah. yeah. And in my personal journey in that pursuit of a hundred, I, I had to learn how to do because the pursuit of a hundred was me per, like not putting out anything. And so mm-hmm then you see your colleagues or your peers and they got a t-shirt company or they they doing all this stuff and you like I could do better than that but don't nobody know you could do better than that and uh-huh. and your and your 80% is better than a 100% uh-huh. <laughs> and could get you more work but you ain't putting nothing out yeah so that was love. my journey of like okay do 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 and then on another end of like um being in my twenties. And if I made a mistake, I'm thinking about it for the next two weeks. But then when I was YP president and I had an error on the flyer, I'm like, it'll be all right. It will. (laughs) (laughs) It just gotta be all right. I'm gonna just come out with another flyer with the correct thing. And then it'll be all right. And and, and, and it's gonna be okay. And I think, I think that's where, like you find places to give yourself grace, like figure (laughs) out where it makes sense and where it's feasible. Like some, some things I'm, I'm not, gonna be okay with nothing less than a hundred you yeah. know what I'm saying and that's just the reality you know that's not you gonna change <laughs> yes and I'm okay with it again I'm not gonna fight that I'm not gonna mm-hmm. fight the reality that for this particular task it needs to be at a hundred percent you know um but for you know some other shit I could be at 90 I'm all right mm-hmm. with that you know um but so it's it's you you have to not fight yeah. your reality or fight your process, fight your journey. The longer we fight it, the more difficult it is because we never give ourselves an opportunity to understand it. We won't mm-hmm. even acknowledge its existence. So how can we understand it if we can't even acknowledge that it is a thing that needs to be understood? Yeah, that's what I think about memory is like we live in such a society where it's like you got to remember stuff, but I can't since I was a teenager. And so when you talking and I think of something and it's about to, and it didn't left about three times, yeah. I'll click back over here and write it down because I ain't gonna, I might not remember it the fourth time. Right. I don't got a good short term memory. So right. why am I st- trying to concentrate on trying to remember stuff? I can't. I can remember long term stuff. I can remember that I talked to somebody in. 1999 and they had a horse with a blue ribbon i can remember that for some reason but i can't and i'm gonna get i'm gonna get them like a toy horse in 2025 and they're gonna be like how do you remember that i don't know but i can't remember short-term stuff and so i'm a clickety-clack while you talking and like let me remember this come on clickety-clack you know it means like that sometimes you know so you you just acknowledge that it's a thing for you and then you can figure out tools to yeah. overcome it you know mm-hmm. yeah so um 
How can uh, artists deal with taking rejection over and over again? Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, we just had a whole discussion about, you know, mm-hmm. I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So I think to be honest, the the biggest thing is setting your expectations from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I want to be clear because I'm not saying set your expectations in the sense of, uh, you know, expect for it to be, you know, rejected or to like mm-hmm. be pessimistic about mm-hmm. the potential outcome of a situation or anything like that, because that doesn't really serve anybody, right. you know, mm-hmm. and it's not as helpful as people think it is. Um, like when people say, well, I don't have no expectations. I'm like, yeah, you do. You, do. <laughs> you have expectations. Mm-hmm. What you really need to say is I'm afraid to acknowledge my expectations because if they are or are not met, then I'm going to experience negative emotions, right? Mm-hmm. And and I don't know that I have the tools necessary to manage that emotion. I'm afraid of the possibility of big negative emotions, right? So I'm just going to try my hardest to convince myself that I don't need nobody. I'm going to try to convince myself that I don't have no expectations, that I don't care what happens, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not helpful. It's it's not helpful. Again, acknowledge the thing, acknowledge the reality of the thing, allow yourself, you know, to be in that space, allow yourself to be fearful of rejection. It's just, it's your reality. This is something that's very important to me. I really want this shit. Like I, one of my podcasts, um, that I just worked on black HIV in the South. How did we get here? Mm -hmm. We just, you know, submitted for our first award. I've never submitted for an award Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. ever, ever. Mm -hmm. So it's a big deal for me and I'm nervous. Mm -hmm. I feel confident, but I'm very, very nervous because I want it. Mm-hmm. I really, really want it. So when something is important to you, it just is what it is. Um, but setting your expectation that rejection is a possibility, right? Mm-hmm. That rejection will be the reality, but that rejection is a possibility. And if mm-hmm. you know that going into it, it makes it a little bit easier to manage it if and when it does happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing is considering all of the all of the different things that might contribute to rejection. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because I think we are very, very quick to, when we get rejected, we personalize it. Yeah, mm-hmm. It feels like a personal rejection. But the reality is that they could have rejected it because their budget got cut. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just wasn't able to add it to the list. Maybe the CEO got a sister-in-law, baby cousin, Kurt, you know, Tracy, that got a show mm-hmm. and, and she want to put her godchild on the show. And so it ain't really got nothing to do with your show at all. It's nepotism. And, and like sometimes with the job search, they have to public publish it on a public forum but they already didn't hire the person they don't absolutely absolutely like think about all of the things all of the the things that could be contributing or could have contributed to that rejection that ain't got shit to do with you (laughs) Mm -hmm. right and like remind yourself of of that reality right Mm -hmm. and it helps us to depersonalize the decisions and i would say that the third piece is ask 
Yeah. Ask. So yeah, to combine number two and number three uh, in the in my strive to try to stay in New Orleans, and I was working for the state, and you know, commuting from Kenner to Baton Rouge. <laughs> every day for five and a half years. Um, so I was like working there for five and a half years, job searching for four and a half. I applied to one thing that I got an interview for and um, they didn't hire me and I didn't know why, but the, uh, the you know, sometimes they'll have a, like a subject matter expert in your interview to see if you BSing. And so that lady, mm-hmm. she had reached out to me for like, she wanted me to do some freelance stuff. So I got to talk to her and I got to talk to her about why I didn't get the job. And she was like, the job description they put on the job, who they ended up hiring was totally different. They didn't know what they wanted. <laughs> and mm. so that's why you didn't get the job. You were perfect for the job description they put on the website, but what they needed was totally different than your skill set. Right, right. So that's why you didn't get hired. It didn't really have anything to do with you. They just didn't know what they wanted or needed. Absolutely. And then they had to change the job. And then the person who fit it got the job. Absolutely. And and we need to ask those kind of questions because, you know, I'm a huge fan of questions. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'd rather you ask me than to assume because mm-hmm. you just don't know and you can't try to be in somebody else's head. Anybody got time for all of that? Ask them people why they rejected you. Most yeah. people will tell you, you know, most people will say, oh, it was a budget issue. Oh, it was this mm-hmm. or, oh, I, I got rejected one time because they felt like I was, you know, too good for them. And I was like, bitch, I applied. <laughs> right. You let me you let me be the, de- the determinant of that. Let me decide whether or not I'm too good for y'all. You know what I'm right. saying? I didn't think I was too good when I applied. These bills ain't too good for money. Listen, <laughs> listen. You know, so you ask, ask mm-hmm. those questions because it's information. You know, the I, I always say the uh, one of the main uh, contributing factors to fear, uh, mm-hmm. fear, excuse me, I got sidetracked. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Fear is a product of the unknown, right? Yeah. And so anxiety springs from fear, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times. So fear is a product of the unknown. And so if that is true, and I believe that it is, then the best way to combat fear is through information. And so you have to figure out what information is it that you need. And mm-hmm. you do that by identifying what is it that you're missing. You know, mm-hmm. like what what is it that you're afraid of? Well, I'm afraid that they didn't think I was good enough. Then ask that question. Yeah. Do you have any feedback about my work? Mm-hmm. Right. Or I was afraid that, uh, you know, they was going to, you know, go with somebody else. I was afraid that the budget would get cut or what like ask the questions that you need the information for in mm-hmm. order for you to be OK and move on. We don't be wanting to ask people questions. Mm-hmm. Ask the question and move so you can move on. Yeah. You know, get that off your chest so you could go on about your business. So on the on the other end, uh, something that I've dealt with as a minority was PTSD from the workplace because of racism and sexism and then not acknowledging my experience, uh, mm-hmm. my work experience and what I offer through my work. So what is a way to deal with this until you can escape and then how can you recover from it after you leave the environment? Uh, I feel like that's a, uh, it's a tricky question. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and the reason why I say it's a tricky question is because there's so many different variables mm -hmm. that go into um, how I might respond to that. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, I think it it depends on the overall temperament of the person experiencing Mm -hmm. The microaggressions, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. um, I think it depends on uh, the environment yeah. that you are participating in. And uh, I don't want to say the wokeness, but the <laughs> level of awareness mm -hmm. of the individuals in, in that group um, or yeah. in that environment. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it depends on what really is most important to you. I'm a firm believer that you ain't got to fight every battle. Mm -hmm. Some battles just not worth it. Yeah. If I'm on a job and I know that this job is a stepping stone for me, um, mm -hmm. I am in there every day with full awareness that I, I ain't going to be here much longer. <laughs> Right, because I'm looking for something. I ain't gonna else, be before you long. <laughs> nah, I'm not. I'm not. You know, and so I'm not putting that much energy mm -hmm. into something that I know I'm just biding my time until I could get up out of here. Uh, it's not worth it to me in this instance mm -hmm. to fight this battle. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. However, if this is something like if this is a place that I want to be in or if this is uh, something that is like, you know, truly has the potential to have a negative impact on my career. Like mm -hmm. this is something that threatens my reputation in the industry. This mm -hmm. is something that will cause people to question my character. Yeah. This is or, or my my ethics or yeah. you know who I am as a person like this is something that has the potential to cause irreparable damage mm -hmm. to either my reputation my career or my personal sense of self mm -hmm. right then that's a battle worth fighting yeah you know that's a battle worth fighting but if it's something that you just don't like it, mm -hmm. if it's something that is aggravating as hell, <laughs> but it is what it is, mm -hmm. people being people kind of mm -hmm. kind of stuff, you know, I think we I think we know the difference. Like we can yeah. feel the difference. You know, you just have to make a decision for yourself whether or not it's worth it to you to fight that battle, you know? Yeah. Um, and if you say no, then let your no be a no. I don't care. Yeah. And make it clear that you don't care about what it like I've got people be saying stuff I'm a in my day job I am a director and so uh, I recently started supervising um, someone that was not happy about the fact that I became their supervisor you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying and it was a it was a whole lot going on and I was just like fuck all that you're gonna do what I've told you to do one way or the other I we gonna get this done because my name is on it Mm -hmm. And so either you're going to get it together or you're going to get the fuck. And that's just what it is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's just what it is. You're going to uh, get coached out like, on this PIP plan. <laughs> listen, listen, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that, you know? Um, so it is what it is. Like, mm -hmm. in, in that instance, like, it's not worth it to me to fight this battle with you. Like I'm not going, I'm not in no power mm -hmm. struggle with you. You're in a power struggle with yourself because mm -hmm. there is no sharing here. 
Like mm -hmm. my job is to tell you what to do and your job is to do it. Yeah. That's just <laughs> what it is. So I don't feel the need to fight that battle, but mm -hmm. there are, are some moments, there are some times where it hits a little closer to home and it feels a lot more personal and it feels like, you know, it has the potential to have a real life negative impact mm -hmm. on me. But then, well, those moments, I fight the battle. I mm -hmm. utilize HR if that's what I need to do or, you know, whatever system is is put in place. Yeah. Um, to make sure that, uh, you know, I'm being treated fairly, that I can yeah. do my job in a workplace that makes me feel safe and that makes me feel like, you know, I can do the work that I need to do um, and, and be, be as productive as possible. I communicate. I'm, mm -hmm. I I don't have a problem with having conversations with people and letting people know I did not like it when you said that or you have to find a better way to talk to me. Mm -hmm. That's, it's about setting boundaries. It's about yeah. letting people know how you choose to be interacted with, how you choose to be engaged with um, and, and what kind of relationship you want to have with them. So I think, you know, utilizing the resources that are available to you making a determination first and foremost about whether or not it's something that you even want to pursue not wanting to pursue it and being afraid to pursue it is two different things right mm -hmm. if you are afraid to pursue it then you need to figure out why you're afraid what is it yeah. where is that fear coming from and again get the information you need to combat that mm -hmm. um but if you just don't want to do it then you ain't got to do it you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying and you don't have to apologize yeah. For not choosing not to engage. But if you do choose, utilize the resources that are available to you. Make sure that you are communicating as clearly and effectively as you can, which starts with communicating with yourself, having mm -hmm. that dialogue with yourself so you can really understand what you actually feel what you actually want etc etc and then have that communication with the, uh, another person yeah um, and above all else I would say just give yourself some grace and and make sure that you love it on yourself and that you are you know taking care of yourself because microaggression is hard fighting off microaggressions all day every day yeah and um you know I, I definitely understand mm -hmm. what that is and what that feels like um and so sometimes you just got to love on yourself a little bit, yeah. you know? Yeah. I had a supervisor who, um, you know, she would slack you. And if you ain't responding two minutes, she would, like, text you or or some other thing. Like, and I remember having to have a Google meet with her, like, mm, it was just like, well, because I'm like, okay, you slack me. I went to go look for the information and I would have responded five minutes later, which is a reasonable time. It uh, is because we we doing work like so, <laughs> and she was like, "Well, can you tell me that you're looking for it?" I was like, "That is unreasonable." So no, right, <laughs> like, like right, because in this right. world, like, um, she was older, but it's like we we've, we've established in this world that even if we're work from home, maybe somebody is doing something else, so right. they might not see it right away. So no, I can't take I can't message you that I'm looking for it. Yeah, I'm gonna respond in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, which I always yeah. do. It was always five to ten minutes. You acting like I'm resp responding the next day. Yeah, even if somebody responded uh -uh. an hour later, that's decent. Maybe it, it is. 
It <laughs> is. I, I think it is. Mm-hmm. I think it is. You know, people want you to, uh, people try to project their shit onto us all the time. You know, mm-hmm. like just because you glued to your damn phone, sis, don't mean I got to be like, I have boundaries. I think she was a micromanager because she didn't know what she was doing. So she always got to yeah. know what people doing. Mm-mm. But I want to ask the couple questions from that I um, I kind of poll people to see if they wanted to ask any questions. Um, <clears throat> so for one from one of my followers, Erica, she asked, "What's a creative way to network when you're a reserved introvert?" Oh, okay, that's a great <laughs> question, Erica. Uh, <laughs> So uh, a reserved introvert. So this, I really ain't fucking with them people like that. that that's they, <laughs> y'all stay way the fuck over there. That's okay. All right. Uh, and, and that's fine. That's fine. I would say a couple things. So one, virtual. Mm-hmm. Virtual working. We live in a time right now where you can build real meaningful connections with people and never be in the same room with them. Mm-hmm. Right. We have video calls. We have phone calls. We, I mean, like you could damn near hologram into a room. Okay. <laughs> so for, you know, for people who are naturally introverted, mm-hmm. um, virtual communication can be very, very helpful. Like if you have WhatsApp or even, you know, I have a Samsung, I'm an Android girl. Okay. Yes. And, um, but I can send voice notes and things like that, which helps, you know? And so, uh, because I can just press a button and I can speak naturally and, and I can send that message and, um, and it gets the point across, it gets it done. So like with all of the technology that exists right now, um, it, it really is possible to have interactions and spark meaningful relationships with with potential mentors Mm -hmm. potential collaborators uh so forth and so forth uh without ever really being in the room with those people i would definitely say you know utilize those technological resources um and send them people an email okay Mm -hmm. Um, the second thing is uh if you can tolerate you know, being in spaces, it, it nine times out of 10, you need a smaller space. Yeah. So I would say, you know, be really intentional about what type of opportunities you actually engage in for networking. There's all different types of networking events. Yeah. They have networking events that have two or 300 people at them. You know, you and I have been at those types of events. I've planned those types of events, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and that I'm sure is a lot mm-hmm. for, you know, a, a reserved introvert, as Erica says, mm-hmm. um, but they also have networks that's in people, mm-hmm. right? It's a much more, it's a much more select group of people. Usually it's a lot more targeted, right? Um, and it typically tends to have some type of curriculum or, or program. Yeah or something associated with it so it's less expectation that you're just gonna be a chatty Kathy right like Mm -hmm. we have a program we have an agenda um we're doing something so I'm still in the room Mm -hmm. and my presence in the room is enough for 
you know, to say that I have networked because now those nine other people in that room know my name. They know my face. Right. They know they know that I exist in this world. Yes. Um, and and that is a lot of times a great start because then I could take that. I could go home and I could follow up with an email. Or I could follow up with a text message or, mm -hmm. you know, X, Y and Z. And so I'm figuring out ways to make it work for me. Um, and then the, the last thing that I would say is, um, you know, I think there is something to be said for pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you identify and are really showing up in your zone of genius, a lot of times it does become a little bit easier to yeah. engage and connect with other people who also reside in that zone of genius. Mm -hmm. Because nine times out of 10, y'all all have very similar quirks and idiosyncrasies, mm -hmm. right? Because it's, it's a certain kind of makeup. It takes a yeah. certain kind of person to exist in that zone of genius. And so, you know, reach out to colleagues, like reach yeah. out to people that not only do what you do, but people that you personally feel do it at the same level yeah. that you do it. Like people yeah. that are really, truly your counterparts, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, because nine times out of 10, you have, you, you're more likely to have personality similarities with those people um, than somebody that's completely different from you or somebody, you know, and that can sometimes make it a little easier as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, and above all else, you know, I think as our theme for this whole uh, conversation has been, you know, give yourself some grace, acknowledge yeah. the fact that I'm not that, I'm not that girl, you know, I'm <laughs> not a social butterfly. I'm not that mm -hmm. dude. I'm not, you know, I'm not the, the life of the party kind of right. dude, you know, like you don't have to be that. Everybody yeah. got a role to play, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So allow that to be your truth. Allow that to be your reality because once you stop fighting it, yeah. Then you can be very intentional and logical. You could get your logical being right to mm -hmm. come in there and sit down and say, okay, so how do we, how do we work around this? We need a game plan because mm -hmm. I still need to network. I still need to get my name out there. Yeah. I still, because I'm still trying to build a career for myself. So I don't really fuck with people like that. How can I fuck with people without fucking with people? Yeah. And then go that route, you know? Yeah, I used the movie Selma um, for like everybody had their role because everybody wasn't Martin Luther King. They had the little the woman who was making the food. Listen. They had the woman who uh, or the dude who was throwing jokes out to make him laugh. Like you ain't everybody ain't got to be Martin Luther King. <laughs> you know, every role is important. You might not be in front of the camera, but you're still important. You know, right. you, is, you is kind. You is smart. You, you is important. <laughs> And so luckily for me as an introvert, um, my YouTube channel helped me in the pandemic with networking. And I ain't trying to tell nobody to start a YouTube channel. I just share my experience. Mm -hmm. But um, another thing, well, first I'll say, like, I'll tell somebody recently about how, you know, some people are like, I'm an intro introvert, extrovert, I'm an ambivert, I'm all this stuff. I'm like, I am an introvert. I play extrovert on TV because society does not allow us to be introverts. Like okay. I am not an extrovert. Like I can, I can pretend, but I am not. <laughs> like, 
Yes, but you know, that's one of the things that I really enjoy about you. And I always have from, from the time that we first met, you very much are like, look, I am who I am. Like either you go, either you go take it or you go leave it. But I'm still gonna be me. You know what I'm saying? And and I I'll play these little games over here, but I'm still <laughs> Yes, yes. And I, I respect that, you know, like I respect that because you know, you just like, look, this is how I show up in the world and, mm -hmm. and I have to be true to myself. Yeah. And if, you know, I, I want you to fuck with it, but if you don't fuck with it, that's all right too. I'm going to be mm -hmm. okay. You know? Yeah. Um, and I wish that more people could, could allow themselves that type of freedom. Um, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't want to be nobody else. I don't know what yeah. it's like to be nobody else. I think I'm pretty fucking cool. And so why you would are. I want to be <laughs> No, thank you, girl. But why would I want to be anybody yeah. else? Like, I, this is who I am. Either mm -hmm. you're going to fuck with it or you're going to get the fuck on. And that's mm -hmm. just what it is. And yeah. even as much as you've seen me do it, I'm, I'm like in the past couple of years, I'm like, I'm going to radically be myself like, even more. Listen, because y'all playing. Because it's like, playing. you know, I feel like I'm the antithesis of everything that is accepted in society. Black, I'm a woman. I'm left-handed. I'm quiet. I mean, I have a YouTube like, like, you know how people be like, oh, you can't trust quiet people. Why? We just right. not talking. <laughs> like, <laughs> that don't mean we're not paying attention. We just ain't talking. Like, ain't got why can't you say. trust me? Because I don't want to talk. <laughs> right. Like right. shifty people you can't trust. Shifty quiet people. Just add an extra adjective, not just all quiet people. But, you know, it, it comes back to because people are so afraid of silence. Mm -hmm. People are so afraid to to just be present and to be, aware, you know, aware of their thoughts and to be because they got so much shit that they trying so hard not to mm -hmm. think about or so much yeah. stuff that they trying so hard not to acknowledge or not to admit is their reality. And so for you to be so comfortable in your silence, mm -hmm. for you to be able to sit with yourself in complete and total silence and, and be at peace with that and to be, mm -hmm. and, and not only to be at peace with it, to, but to be comforted by that mm -hmm. being with yourself yeah, by yourself, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It makes enjoying myself, enjoying myself, just happier than a pig and shit in this house by my damn self. Okay, mm -hmm. it makes people uncomfortable because they can't fathom mm -hmm. a world where they are that comfortable with being with themselves and with their own thoughts. Yeah. So how could you possibly? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And another tip I have for Erica, um, I, I had this not because I was like introverted or you know quiet, but because I'm humble. <laughs> so uh having a wingman person, woman, um, is 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 good because like sometimes when I would go to networking events in New Orleans, I would talk, but I wouldn't talk about myself or my accomplishments. So somebody I, I, I wouldn't have the person be my wing person, but they knew enough about me to be like, wait, she ain't saying all the awesome stuff. Right. She did, so she did this. <laughs> like, right. So if you can have maybe a friend, maybe an extroverted friend, maybe an evolved introverted friend to that knows about you to be, you know, go to the little things with you and then they can maybe, you know, introduce you into the group and into the conversation or something like that. That's another tip. 
That's a really good tip. Yes, mm-hmm. like, uh, have you met Ted? You know that? <laughs> I'll be watching TV too much, girl. <laughs> so another question from a, one of my colleagues, Henry. He asked, what's the best way to deal with the mental and emotional fatigue in projects you care about deeply? Mm. He from New Orleans. <laughs> I think I went to go to a speaking engagement and uh, he was at a speaking engagement when he was in eighth grade and then he reached out back out to me when I was an adult. I was like, am I old enough for somebody to do that? <laughs> <laughs> like, somebody, how old are you in eighth grade? Girl, like, listen, let me tell you, girl, somebody told me that that uh, she looked up to me and I was like, am I high enough to be looked up to? When did I? I used to be the one looking up. Now I'm the one looking people. What? I am confused. How, when did this happen? At right. what point did we get here? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel you. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I would say um, listen to your body, listen mm-hmm. to your mind. Uh as a creative, you know, we talked earlier about like being in pursuit of a hundred, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Uh, being in pursuit of a hundred. And, and sometimes we can get consumed by that. Yeah. Like it, it can really, like I was up till four o'clock this morning tweaking a, a mm-hmm. podcast pitch deck that already been sent out. You know what I'm saying? Like, why am I like, but I was like, oh shit, then I had no period right there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, why I'm up at four o'clock in the morning correcting punctuation. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it's it's not it's not that serious, but sometimes we can be consumed by mm-hmm. that pursuit of a hundred. Yeah. And our bodies, our minds are communicating to us, girl, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I'm tired. You know what I'm saying? I am stressed out, sis. Yes. Mm-hmm. I am not real. Like I'm on edge. I feel mm-hmm. real jumpy right now. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm 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 mentally drained. Like your our bodies are communicating with us yeah. in all of these different kind of ways, but we are so enthralled in the pursuit of a hundred percent that we can a lot of times ignore what our bodies are telling us. And so my biggest thing that I had to learn in my own life is uh, listen. Yeah. Listen to what your body is saying to you. Listen to what your mind is saying to you, because the truth of the matter is that I think the goal of any creative is to make sure you are giving yourself the best opportunity to create at 100 percent. And so that means making sure that you are in the right headspace. Like I can't create from a place of despair. Mm-hmm. I can't create because what I cre- I create hope, you know? Yeah. I create like connection. Like that's yeah. I I create mm-hmm. joy. That's what I create, you know? And so I can't create that from a place of chaos. Yeah. I can't create that from a place of uh sadness and depression and you know just um anxiety and fear. I mm-hmm. I can't create from a dark place. 
And so if I'm not doing what I need to do to take care of myself, then I'm never going to get to 100 percent. I'm not even giving myself an opportunity to get to 100 percent because I'm not showing up in a way that allows me to give 100 percent. Yeah. And so it really becomes it has become for me a part of my process. Mm -hmm. And that's how I communicate it to other people. So when I take on new contracts, when I start working with new clients or, you know, somebody want me to produce this or somebody want me to produce that, I build it into my process and I communicate that process from the very beginning. And I say, look, I need at least a week to be able to do X, Y, and Z. Even Mm -hmm. if the task itself might only, it might be a three hour task, like something I could just sit down and knock it out in three hours. Girl, it might take me three days to get in the mindset to sit down for three hours. (laughs) Yes. And they, and I need to build that into my process Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. that's what I need Mm -hmm. in order to be able to give them what they need. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can't do that if I don't acknowledge that that's my truth. If yeah. I don't acknowledge that that is a part of my process that mm-hmm. I can't force myself to create at the drop of a hat or I can't schedule my creativity. Like some people can. Yeah. Some people can schedule their creativity. Some people can say I'm going to be creative from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. today and mm-hmm. they sit down and they just start typing or they just start drawing or they just start recording. I'm not that girl. Okay. I have to, it's a thing for me and I have to be like in the right headspace. I have to feel right. Like even in preparing for this interview today, you know, I told you I'm, I'm just starting to get back into the swing of things. I haven't done uh, mm-hmm. a lot of interviews since like October. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I had a lot of things going on. So this mm-hmm. is like my third interview or so uh, since I, I came back. But even this, I had to mentally all night last night, I kept thinking about, okay, I got to, you know, I'm meeting with Deborah at one you know? So mm-hmm. like, what, what can I do? What do I need to do before one What time do I need to wake up? Because yeah. I need to mentally prepare myself to show up in this space and, yeah. and give you what I got to give, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, acknowledge your process, acknowledge mm-hmm. your journey, allow that to be your truth and then, you know, build it in. Build yeah. it into your process. Yeah. Yeah. We're listening to your body. You got to sit down before you get sat down. Because <laughs> you will get sat down. I keep trying to. That's what I'm saying, girl. That emotional being. Mm-hmm. Listen, girl, she will act a damn fool on you if you, you know. And I would much rather be in control of my emotions than for my emotions mm-hmm. to be in control of me. And then because, sometimes your emotion goes to the physical. And that's how listen, you get sat down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You just showed your ass so much that you you just got me out here laid out, girl, <laughs> up in these people hospital. You just showed your damn emotional ass. Right. You just showed your ass. So that's why that relationship with your emotional being is so very, very, very important. There mm-hmm. has to be a trust. And you got to come back for Madame Zeroni, because if you don't, mm-hmm. If you don't, she will curse your family for generations and generations and generations. Madam Zeroni don't play, okay? She do not play. And, you know, the importance of building it in is like 
I feel like as millennials, we grew up in a society where we're all like, we grew up in the side hustle society, always having to be productive, always having to do something. So something that I've been trying to do is like learn how to be because I don't have to do to be viable. Mm-hmm. Like recharging yourself is doing something. Yeah. Like if sometimes doing nothing, not even sometimes girl, doing nothing is doing something. Mm-hmm. Sitting on the sofa is doing something, bitch. I'm sitting on the sofa. I'm doing something. I'm busy right now. <laughs> you know, like I, I had to learn. Like that's one of the things that I, over the last few years, I have really just been very, very intentional about understanding who I am mm-hmm. and what my process is and what I need to be okay. And sometimes I need to just not answer the phone. Girl, 10 years ago, you never could have even, I'm not missing no calls because mm-hmm. I always had this fear of what if, somebody is in danger or what if something is going on or somebody needs something and I'm the only number they could call. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like this Mm -hmm. is an actual conversation that I've had with myself. What if I'm the only number that they can call and I don't answer the phone and something happens to them? I would never be able to forgive myself. And then I started realizing like, what? that's just not logical, (laughs) Trees. I just why would I be the only number they could call? You know what I'm saying? Like if 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 the shit is going down, I'm not calling Deborah. I'm not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's a whole I'ma call Deborah. You know. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. It's, you know these we have these irrational thoughts in our minds and. And they cause us to to put ourselves in situations that don't serve us and Mm -hmm. and cause us to not honor what we need. So, girl, listen, I don't be answering that phone. I mean, I do answer. And and everybody in my life who matters, Mm -hmm. you know, people who are in my inner circle, like my core people. Right. What they understand about me is I might not answer right now, but I'm going to call you back. Right. It might be a couple days. Mm hmm. But I am going to call you back or I'm yeah. I'm going to text you or something like that. And thankfully, you know, everybody knows what I do. So, like, I have those presets on my phone where, like, you know, when you deny a call, you can send them a text message. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, on a live stream or, you know, I'm recording or something yeah. like that. So I can just quickly let them know. But sometimes I just don't feel like talking. Yeah. I just don't. I don't have it to give today. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. And no, I'm not working. No, I'm not out and about in the world, but I am doing something. I'm recharging. I'm honoring my body. I'm honoring what my energy, my my emotional being is saying that she needs. I am taking care of me today. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple um, ending questions. Uh, if you could do anything to improve health and healthcare in America, what would you do? Hmm. <laughs> um, if I could do anything to improve, I I would make it free. Mm-hmm. I think healthcare should be free. I just really do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that healthcare professionals should do their jobs for free mm-hmm. and don't get it twisted. A therapist is a healthcare professional. Yeah. Okay. And it's a lot of people that feel like therapists should just do the job for free. 
mm-hmm. and that's asinine. Like you, you gonna go to work for free, right? You gonna keep showing up, and these people not paying you nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, like that. It just doesn't make sense. It's a like there's two sides of being a therapist. Like there is the calling, like what I talked about earlier. Like I do feel like this is a calling for me. Mm-hmm. It's something that I am purposed for. Um, but also it is my career. Yeah. You know, and I, I find that a lot of therapists really struggle. I struggled with that a little bit in the beginning of my career. Like if I felt like I needed to quit a job, it it took me longer to quit that job, even though it wasn't the best situation for my career. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to leave my clients. I don't want you know, just to have a negative effect on my clients, X, Y, and Z. But at some point I got to do what's right for my career. Yeah. You know, because I'm still building a career. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think it should be free. And, and I think that um, mental health professionals should be paid, uh, you know, competent fairly. I mean, you have to think about this is people's lives. Like we, yeah. we show up in people's lives, typically when they are going through the most devastating things that they've ever been through, Mm -hmm. um, we have the unique opportunity to see people at their most vulnerable. Yeah. You know, which is a heavy burden to bear because at the same time, I'm still dealing with my own shit. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and still trying to show up and keep it together in my own life. Yeah. And so I, I I think that we, as a profession in general, need to be taken more seriously. Yeah. Um, because the work that we do is life altering work, mm-hmm. literally, uh, which ultimately dictates the society that that we exist in. So um, that would be my my biggest change is. Health, it, mental health care should be free. All health care mm-hmm. should be free, but uh, therapists need to be paid. Yes. Um, and if you had 10, oh, sorry, if you had $100 million to spend on health resources and no red tape for like a personal venture, how would you spend it? Um, I would create programs. I would, mm-hmm. I would create free community-based programs. Um, definitely some podcasting programs, you know, podcasting is healing, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I think podcasting is healing for the podcaster, um, as well as, you know, potentially healing for the audience, the listener. Yeah. Um, because again, you know, people like I listen to podcasts while I'm in the shower, while I'm on the toilet, you know, while I'm <laughs> driving home from mm-hmm. work, like these, these the most intimate moments of my life. Mm-hmm. I listen to podcasts moments that, you know, other people don't ever get to be in those rooms and be in those spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that podcaster is, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it, it has the potential to be extremely healing, even in the sense of like the reserved introvert, you know, mm-hmm. like that's one of the things that I was talking, I, I love about podcasting is that there's literally something for everybody, yeah. you know? So you can find your people nine times out of 10. If you into it, somebody else is into it too. And yeah. there's probably a podcast for that, you know? Yeah. 
Um, and so those people are out there looking for each other. You and maybe in the world that you were in the environment that you were born into or the environment that you exist in, you might be the only one. Mm -hmm. But that don't mean that you're the only one. You know, mm -hmm. you just the only one, you know, right? and so it can be very healing to find your people, you know, and podcasting yeah. allows us to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would, I would love to, I already, I have like ideas of all kinds of programs um, yeah. that I would like to start uh, specifically around podcasting. But I think, um, you know, a hundred million dollars in the grand scheme of things, is not a whole, whole lot of money. Uh, mm -hmm. It doesn't go as far as people might think that yeah. it would, um, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but, you know, I, I would definitely create programs that I think need to be created, um, yeah. which would look nothing like what currently exists because a lot of the stuff that we've been doing for the last 40, 50, 60 years, that shit is not working um yeah. but the industry a lot of times says it's so steeped in tradition and what has and traditionally been done. yes yes that that like getting something changed is like it takes an act of god <laughs> and, you know it's it can be very frustrating yeah time yeah yeah i feel like um as a society like you know, you know how people be theorizing. We should learn taxes, and we should learn this in the, in 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 elementary school. Which people be saying that it's like you wouldn't have paid attention to that either. But okay, no. <laughs> if you didn't pay attention to the science and math, that's why we had all that other stuff with with the pandemic because y'all ain't paying right. attention to science. But right. I think like it would be cool if we had like whether it was group therapy, like just teaching kids to deal with their emotions in oh, yeah. school. Like oh, yeah. as all of them, not just the ones that got a bad pro problem and had to go to this special person because they got an IEP or something like that, but like everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And there have been some states that, you know, have passed laws, um, you know, requiring that children get mental health education, mm -hmm. um, you know, like early on and like, you know, learning about feelings and learning about emotions mm -hmm. uh, and, and things of that nature. But um, I actually have a couple of podcast ideas that I'm working on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that are geared toward children and teaching yeah. them those skills, but mm -hmm. teaching them those skills in a way that, you know, makes sense for them, you yeah. know, um, and, there, and there's a lot of projects out there that currently exist exist that speak to that like there's uh abf creative shout out mm -hmm. to anthony frazier and wanda reynolds i love me mm -hmm. some wanda uh, i love me some anthony too but i love <laughs> me some wanda she's based in la as mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. um but uh they have a podcast called charm words um mm -hmm. and so it's daily affirmations for kids nice um and so every day they in you know the episodes are like five to seven minutes something mm -hmm. like that um you know but every every episode is a an affirmation that speaks to you know some aspect of the reality of life and so like one day it might be um you know it's okay to be wrong sometimes mm -hmm you know, or one day might be, uh, I, I am capable and deserve to be loved. Like mm -hmm. that's the title of the episode, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there are projects like that, that, uh, 
just reinforce this idea of like learning about mental health, learning about emotions, learning mm-hmm. about who you are, being introspective and things like that. And we just need to take an opportunity to expose our kids to those yeah. things. Um, so yeah, I would I would definitely fund some of that stuff too, girl. <laughs> write, write me a proposal, girl. I got you. <laughs> and uh, another quick question I, w- I, did, I definitely want to ask you before we, I let you go is, um, you know, when people finally push through and, and decide to get that therapist, they get they become so discouraged because the first person isn't the one that they get to pick. So can can you tell how to reframe maybe your mind when you're searching for a therapist? And maybe even, you know, if you ask the right questions, then you wouldn't even have to waste your time. So Right, right. So um, I always say finding a therapist is like choosing a friend, like choosing a therapist is like choosing a friend. You ain't friends with everybody because you just don't <laughs> like everybody. And that's just the reality of the thing. And mm-hmm. and finding a therapist is no different. You got to find the right fit. And sometimes mm-hmm. it might take you a few tries yeah. to find the right fit. Imagine if you best friends with the person who's best friends with in kindergarten. Yeah. You know, um, it, it, you don't get it right the first time more, mm-hmm. more often than not. Um, mm-hmm. Like it took me five tries to find the right therapist and I am a therapist. <laughs> so you would think that I knew, you know, I would know what I was looking for. I had an idea uh, in terms of like creating a list. I knew I wanted to work with a black woman. That mm-hmm. was something that was extremely important to me. I wanted to work with an older woman because I am a therapist. I know what to say to get around certain things. And, mm-hmm. and I felt like a more experienced therapist would yeah. kind of hold me accountable a little bit more um, yeah. because they, you know, I'm a damn good therapist. And mm-hmm. so you got to be at my level or higher in order to really make an impact on me because I am a therapist, you know? Um, So I felt like I needed someone that had significantly more experience than I did, you know? Um, So I wanted an older, uh, older woman, but I, even in matching those things, like some of those things I got to because I didn't work, it didn't work out with other therapists, like mm-hmm. the black woman thing that was from jump. But yeah. the first black woman therapist that I had, she was too much like we was girlfriends and every it, it just got to the point where every time I came in there, we was talking about you know bullshit and i was like this i'm not finding this helpful sis i got (laughs) like real deal shit that i'm dealing with and i enjoy talking to you but also girl i need (laughs) help you know what i'm saying um and that's when i was able to refine my search and i said i need somebody older i need somebody that has more experience you know Mm -hmm. like i i need and so then i tweaked my search from there and then i found somebody that was older but um you know it was it was uh just something about like i i didn't feel like she really understood me because you know it's all different types of black women in this world and so her personality didn't really mesh well with me yeah um and so then i refined my search again like i need somebody that is uh you know 
connected and like understands this or understands yeah. that mm-hmm. and X, Y, and Z. And then finally I landed on my therapist, Ms. Right. Diane. And, and <laughs> uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. And she really helped me get my shit together, you know? Um, so I think people just need to understand that it's a process um, that you have to, you're going to have to try a, di- a few different therapists before you find the right one. But mm-hmm. when you find it, you're going to know like, you, yeah. because you'll feel, you will feel safe. Mm-hmm. You will feel seen. You will feel heard. You will feel like you will feel an urge to yeah. open up and, and yeah. an urge to share because now I really do feel like I'm in a safe place to be able to let these things out. Um, I think this is my therapist. I think this is my person. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but don't be discouraged if the first three, four, or five don't work out. Um, It's a part of the journey. It's a part of the process. Um, Mm -hmm. And even that is learning about yourself, you know? Um, Some questions that you might want to ask, I think, um, are any questions that you may have that prevent that are preventing you from being able to make a definitive decision? Mm -hmm. Um, So whatever those questions may be, um, then you need to feel comfortable with asking those questions. And I will tell you, um, as a therapist, as someone who has been a therapist for the last, you know, 12 to 15 years, licensed 12 years, but in that thing about 15 years, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, the reality is that um, we are trained to answer your questions. Mm-hmm. You're not going to hurt my feelings if you have a question that I don't feel comfortable with answering. I'm going to tell you I'm not answering that. Because mm-hmm. it is my job as your mm-hmm. therapist to set boundaries with you. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So don't worry about hurting my feelings, but also respect me as a human being. So don't come in here on no bullshit because <laughs> sometimes people be testing their therapist and I'm not playing those games with you. You wasting my time right now. Mm-hmm. Like you wasting my time and I don't have time for that. Not only are you wasting my time, but you're wasting your money. Mm-hmm. Cause guess what you're going to do, whether you talk to me or not, you're going to pay me for this session. <laughs> You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you wasting my time and you wasting your money. Mm-hmm. But if that's what you want to do for this hour, that's fine. But also understand that I can fire you as my client. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I'm not going to let you keep wasting my time or being disrespectful. Yeah. But ask the questions that you need to ask. If I don't feel comfortable answering that question, then I'm going to tell you I'm not I don't feel comfortable answering that question. It's my job as your therapist to set boundaries with you. Um, Mm -hmm. But most things I will answer. um, And and that's just me. If you have a question that's preventing you from feeling safe, I will answer that question. um, Because, again, that is my job as a therapist. And how can I expect you to come in here and lay yourself bare and I'm not willing to give you anything back in return. You know, like this is a a mutual relationship and we're building trust with each other um, and we're getting to know each other. I don't know Mm -hmm. you and you don't know me, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So ask whatever questions you need to ask in order to feel safe. Yeah. Um, And 
Lastly, if people want to follow you, um, what you know, what do you provide on your platforms? What is your podcast about? And where can people follow you? Yes. So uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Latrice Sampson Richards um, or, you know, you can follow me on Twitter. I don't really be on Twitter like that, um, mm-hmm. but every now and then I'll jump on the Twitter spaces mm-hmm. uh, or something like that. But I don't really be tweeting like that, but uh, mm-hmm. on Twitter at uh, Rich by Marriage mm-hmm. and um, and, you you know, I, like I said, I'm a podcast producer. Um, I just finished a show, a limited series with the Cube app, um, which okay. is the best in BIPOC and QTPOC uh, content. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we did a show called Black HIV in the South. How did we get here? Mm-hmm. I mean, extremely, extremely proud of, of this project. Um, it it talks about black HIV, you know, um, specifically in the South, which is leading the nation right now in new HIV diagnoses. Um, Mm -hmm. And and it's insane because it's really about, um, you know, homophobia. It's really about Mm -hmm. racism. Mm -hmm. It's really about, uh, you know, ignorance and tradition um and and all of these things and so a disease that is a hundred percent preventable is running rampant in the southern black community uh because we refuse to educate ourselves about it and so uh this is our way of uh you know, adding to this conversation and and making this information more accessible to people. I'm extremely proud of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also uh, produced a show called Stories All Around Us, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a narrative storytelling format um, podcast. And uh, it is the autobiography of the Black experience. And Mm so uh, it, it really highlights the, it, the, the saying that we are not a monolith. Um, yeah. Each episode is a single topic and we get three storytellers to tell their personal life stories around that topic. And it just shows that we all connect to these things differently. You know, yeah. uh, we are not the same person. We all have a different take on it. So I'm very proud of that. I did with the Vanguard Podcast Network. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also do live shows for Stitch Please Podcast, which is a sewing podcast mm-hmm. for Black women, girls, and femmes in sewing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hosted by Lisa Woolfork, and it's fucking amazing. And I love Lisa. Uh, mm-hmm. It's one of the most interesting projects I've ever worked on. Uh, it's a whole community out there mm-hmm. of sewists and quilters. We went to QuiltCon. Um, <laughs> uh, I didn't even know QuiltCon was a thing, girl. Mm-hmm. But um, so, yeah, so you can, you know, check out my work in, in all of those places. Um, I uh, will be hosting the Black Podcasting Awards this year. That's taking place on September 20. 20- First, I believe it is, whatever that mm-hmm. Sunday is. I think the 21st or the 24th, whatever that Sunday is. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, I think we we might be like on location this year. So I, nice. I hosted last year as well, but it was uh, virtual. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I got my hands in a little bit of everything, Deborah. And uh, if you want to work with me um, or if you just want to chit chat, Mm-hmm. You can go to my website, latricesampsonrichards.com. It's still in transition now. So don't y'all go to my website judging me and all of that because I'm, I'm, you know, 
my website is in transition, but it says what it says. Okay. Uh, thank you for allowing me to have you on my platform. Thank you for sharing wonderful information. Thank you so much for having me, Deborah. This is a huge honor for me. And I just want to say like, you know, me and you, we go way, way back, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I really am so proud of you. Like just Thanks. knowing you and like knowing um, the difference in who the Deborah that I met the first day that I met Deborah and the Deborah that, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm talking to today. Like it's mm -hmm. still you, you know what I'm saying? It's just, you're still you. You've been true to yourself the entire time, but you've mm -hmm. also evolved in yeah. so many ways. And so um, I am so fucking proud of you. And Thank you, um, I'm just, yes, I, I just, you know, I be cheering <laughs> from the sidelines, girl. I be cheering I from the sidelines. <laughs> yeah. Very happy for you as well. I'm, I'm going to come to LA and visit because uh, I got some people in LA. So I'm going to have to make my way out there. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So to everyone out there, I want you to like so I know it's real. Comment and tell me how you feel. Subscribe to Seal the Deal and sign up for post notifications to show your zeal. And we'll see you in the next video. Peace. Bye. <laughs>